Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Brutally on a sports. Cotton Bowl. Peach Bowl. Fiesta Bowl. And we are Penn State. Welcome into episode number 92 of the Brutally Honest Sports Podcast. This is a college show, so, uh, you know, you have to be 18 and over to listen to this. But, uh, no, in all, <laughs> all, all seriousness, back covering the, the NCAA world here with, with J.D. First things first, man, I got I to check on J.D. How, how's it going tonight? Good, man, good. Yeah, I know the show's a, a little later than we had originally thought, but we wanted to cover, you know, DeMar Hamlin and that tragedy of the NFL first. It's definitely... Definitely more important. So we did that that show yesterday and just decided to wait till today to do this show. But um yeah, still our thoughts and prayers with him, but super pumped to talk about the NCAA football slate, man, those bowl games. Absolutely insane, man. We're gonna go over four here that were just absolutely mind blowing, man. Like the three of those games combined eight points for the margin of victory. And then we'll wrap it up talking about Penn state. The only one that wasn't close, but the one you're most excited about. So <laughs> stay tuned for that. That's all. That's going to be a good, good take. And uh, yeah, just a great, a great way to cap off Penn state season, but we'll get into that later on in the show. Yeah. Aaron's a diehard Penn state fan. So I pretty much had to like, you know, tackle him to convince him that we'll talk about Penn State last because he just wanted to go off the off the handle right right <laughs> away. But uh, we'll get into that, man. Let's start out with the um the Cotton Bowl, number sixteen Tulane versus number ten USC, uh, Heisman winner um Caleb Williams. Man, the Trojans ended up losing that game, forty six to forty five, but definitely no fault of of Williams, bro. That that kid's insane. But um, you know, five touchdowns. One pick, which was costly, but uh, dude, who's Tulane, bro? Flat out. Let me let me just start with that. Who is Tulane? I know, like, what? Where are they at? Like Ohio or something? I don't know. I'll be honest, man. I had to look that up myself. I mean, and I I watch college football week in and week out, year in and year out. I know the conferences pretty well. I would say um, <clears throat> New Orleans is is Tulane is from is New Orleans. Uh, but I had to Google Oops. that myself. So. Uh, yeah, dude, the Tulane, the green wave that is the Tulane, that is their actual name. That's no joke. Uh, no, no slander to, to that university, to that program. It's, it's Tulane green wave. So, uh, I don't know how intimidating a green wave is, but, um, to the Trojans, obviously of USC, but Hey, they came in and, and got the job done and, and we'll break that down for you here. But <laughs> absolutely insane. Just because that team was, they were a two and 10 team last season and, and winning the cotton bowl, which is you know, it's not a, a college playoff game, but it, it's right outside of that as being uh, one of those those marquee 
bowls that you want to be in if you're not if you're not on the top of the top. Yeah, just being ranked 16, and I mean, most people probably didn't fear the green wave up until this year, but moving forward, there's definitely high expectations. Just the way that Tulane ran, you know, ran the ball. I mean, if you know, again, Caleb Williams going for five touchdowns and you know, four sixty-two, you would imagine that the Trojans win by you know three scores. But man, this kid from Tulane, the Tajay Spears, I dude, I, I rewatched the highlights, man, and absolutely unbelievable. Just the speed he has, the burst off the line, four rushing TDs over two hundred yards, over a twelve-yard rushing average. It, absurd, man, absurd. Just the way that they ran the ball, and like even going in to like the time, you know, they were down that the most important, like incredible part about this game is the fact that they were down with like four and a half minutes left. They were down by 15 points and um, everyone had counted them out. The announcers probably, you know, seemed like it indeed uh, as well, because um, after they went up by 15, you know, they were just talking about how Tulane needed to have a quick strike score and two plays later, they're in the end zone. So at that point in time, it's like you could still – you kind of feel the tension in the crowd. You know, the USC fans are getting a little bit nervous. But they're like, oh, yeah, we're good. We're You know, we got this. And uh, ensuing kickoff pretty much goes out of bounds. Kick it all the way down. The USC go, guy goes to grab it at, at the two-yard line, fumbles the ball. <laughs> and you know what happens next, man. <laughs> it's like college football, bro. So, you know. Dude, uh, it, it, it's exactly. College football is the most unpredictable – I mean, you can say March Madness is up there as well, but I mean, it doesn't hold a, a college candle. sports. College sports, yeah. I mean, for me, uh, college basketball doesn't hold a, a flame to what uh, college football is. But that's just me. That's my opinion. It's brutal. It's, it's, it's honest as it gets. But uh, <laughs> yeah, man, Tulane. I, like I said, the Green Wave. I mean, how can you not pull for a team that's like out of literally left field? Um, like you said, they were ranked 16th coming in. I mean, USC had the Heisman winner of a, of a quarterback and, and no disrespect to them at all, but I'm sure they were favored pretty heavily in this, in this game. I'm, I'm almost positive of that. So uh, just a huge win for the, for the university, uh, the, their coach uh, here, he makes a quote. He said, huge win for the program, huge win for the university, huge win for the city. Uh, just got to love it, man. Like it's, it's, I'm not gonna say it's a Cinderella story. Cause it's like, you know, it's, it's the cotton bowl, not the national championship, but um it's their most pretty darn close for them. It's for them. It's like, dude, unheard. Of. You know, people haven't, people haven't heard of them. And then all of a sudden now they're beating USC in the, the Heisman trophy winner, you know? <laughs> right. Right. Uh, I mean, uh, I mean, I have here. Yeah. They, this is their, they played in their most significant bowl since the sugar bowl on new year's day in 1940. And it was their biggest bowl win since the 1935 <laughs> sugar bowl in new Orleans, uh, where they, where their school is from. But I mean, you're talking, you know, 70 plus years uh, of just nothing to for the most part. And to come in and beat USC, I mean, USC is a storied program. Uh, like I said, Heisman winning quarterback, like only in college football would you see something like this. And and just the way you broke it down, like the USC fumble in the ball, then, then giving up the safety there, like on the one. And then, you know, it, it's just madness, man. Like I, you got to love Tulane for uh, staying with them and, and ultimately winning this game where where probably not many people gave him a shot. Yeah, I just want to break down just that final drive, man. Like I, I went back and I watched, you know, all the highlights, but especially that final drive. It's just there was a fourth and six and a fourth and ten, ten converted. You know, USC sacked Tulane twice on that drive, and they just kept coming and coming and coming. And 
all the way down, man. With six seconds left, they threw that touchdown pass, and it was originally ruled incomplete. <laughs> but on the replay, man, the, the guy was able – it was bobbled the whole time. That's why it was ruled incomplete. But on the replay, you know, the ball was on his hands and the other guy's hands, and he scooped it up into his body, uh, never hit the ground. And with that extra point, it was their first lead of the game. So you go 15 minutes – or I'm sorry, you go uh, – 59 minutes and 53 seconds, you know, either tied at the beginning of the game or, you know, going back and forth. And then you get your first lead, like just absolutely absurd, man. Um, just the poise of the quarterback, you know, the way that, that Taiji Spears guy ran the ball would not be, not at all be uh, surprised if you see him in the NFL. I'm in the near future. I'm not sure. Like I said, I've never heard of the, Oh, he, dude, who's a freshman. Get out, get out. <laughs> nope. Nope. Never mind. Never mind. I'm sorry. Um, yeah. Senior. So I would, yeah, I would not be surprised to see him in the NFL just based on his body of work there in that game. He definitely hey, made a um, good case. <laughs> not, not to go off, you know, off, off kilter, off topic or anything, but I mean, Hey, the Eagles either decide to pay, pay Miles Sanders or maybe we see the, the kid from the green wave and in, in the green uniform in the, in the Philadelphia hey, Eagles, you know, just, you, you know, like you never know, you never know, but um, I like that hot take. I like that take, man, for sure. Yeah. Last thing I'll say about, about this game, man, Jerry Rice has to be proud of his son. Uh, Brandon Rice, six receptions, 174 yards, and two two tutties, as you like to say, man. So the guy has the guy has sick hands for sure. Just he caught one on the sideline, just a broken play that, as Caleb Williams, you know, he it was almost like a Josh Allen type thing where he's like falling out of bounds. He just fires the ball, and William, you know, uh, Rice goes up and just perfectly catches it, you know, above his head, manages to come down feet and bounds, like not just one, but like two feet and bounds, um, just incredibly good awareness good route running skills um quite impressed quite impressed his dad i'm sure is is proud of him Uh, obviously you want to get the win but good things to come for that kid based on that showing that's for darn sure so yeah just uh just a storybook season for for tulane two and ten last year 12 and two uh this year so We'll see. Maybe they'll be in the college football playoffs, you know, either next year or when they expand the field. You never know. But um, we'll get uh, moving right along here to the the Fiesta Bowl, TCU versus Michigan. You watch that game in its entirety. What are your first thoughts on that? Uh, dude, unreal. Once again, I mean, this is why I love college football, dude. Like I thought last year there were some blowouts. There was uh, Cincinnati came in and played Michigan uh, and absolutely got hit by a buzzsaw and a, and the, <laughs> and a train and a, and a you know an entire like, it's almost reminds me of like one of those houses rolling down the road like they have it on a, a tractor trailer and like actually getting yeah. hit by one of those is what happened yeah but, oh jeez uh, this year dude no no complaints whatsoever on these games like uh TCU coming in they were like a five and a half point dog to Michigan I thought Michigan would roll them honestly I did after TCU just just lost to um Kansas State uh, for their last for the uh, last week of the season for them coming in yeah but, dude uh, I mean right off the bat and I'll throw it back to you but right off the bat they kick off to Michigan you know normal kick return not sure probably 20 25 yard line they run a, a, a rushing play and they get into the red zone on the first play of the game and I was like here we go like this is gonna be yep. Michigan 40 to uh, TCU's 14 type game and then not only does TCU stop them on first, second, and third down, uh, Michigan then runs the Philly special on fourth down. Doesn't get anything on it. They uh, turn the ball over, and, and TCU takes over. I think that was huge for just TCU's morale uh, and TCU yeah. going forward in that game. 
Yeah, absolutely. You know, like you said, you get run down the field just in a few plays and all of a sudden, you know, you got fourth and goal and the biggest play of the game at that point in time, you know, you had, we'd actually touched on it a little bit while previewing this game. I, if I remember correctly, how TCU had to kind of, you know, to, to take the crowd out of it type thing, or like to get, you know, get some ground, like in the beginning to, to, you know, psych themselves up to, to give themselves some confidence so that they just didn't get steamrolled. And, and that was definitely, definitely a play that that had to fire them up and you give them all the confidence in the world when you know defense is like oh shit here we are you know first and goal and then to turn that you know one two three like the way you ordered that fourth down that philly special fail so uh, sorry fellas you're, you're not the nflers yet but um <laughs> the uh just um, tcu had you know from there it seemed like they had control you know control of the game um the pick six is what started the scoring i mean they actually had two pick sixes off of um Michigan's quarterback and uh, what was it, JJ uh, McCarthy, 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 yeah, McCarthy, McCarthy, right? I don't know why that name's not that difficult, but for some reason I had trouble um, <laughs> pronouncing it. <laughs> Sorry, tonight, no, but... no one cares about his name because he lost. You know, but, uh, <laughs> no, no, got it, got it. <laughs> um, but, but yeah, I mean, as you were watching the game, uh, honestly, did you, did you keep thinking to yourself, you know, Michigan's, Michigan's going to come back and win this. Michigan's going to come back and win this because you know, being, being favored in that game, I, I feel like there, there had to be some of those thoughts in the back of your head. I know when I'm watching a game where, where an underdog's winning in the back of my mind, I'm thinking like, up oh, here it comes like, Nope, that like, ain't going to put them away. Man, the underdog's going to lose. That's why they're underdogs. You know, exactly. what, what were your thoughts there? Exactly. No, you, you hit the nail on the head. And, and then, so I'm like, I mean, it, yeah, you, you mentioned that the pick six was huge. I mean, obviously, um, just rattling the conference, the, the confidence there of McCarthy early. I mean, he's not a, He's not a great quarterback to begin with. Um, he, he's not bad. He can definitely make throws, but he makes questionable decisions. And and for him to give the ball away, you know, you always want to win the turnover battle, and that, that's a huge thing. So, uh, you know, at one point, you know, they, they get the pick six, then they come down, they they run the ball in. It's 14 nothing. I was like, wow, this is this is actually crazy. Like, it's 14 nothing TCU. Like, you couldn't have told me that was going to happen. The way I looked at it is – after halftime, I was like, Michigan's going to get on, on track. Like, there's no doubt about Michigan's not going to get steamrolled. It, it, but, I mean, really, it was 21-3 at one point, uh, TCU again. So, that first half was all TCU. Michigan definitely looked outclassed, outcoached, uh, which was quite surprising. Uh, and we can get into, like, the whole Harbaugh thing and, and bowl games. He's, he's definitely struggled. But in the longest way possible, to answer your question uh, – <laughs> what I was trying to get into is like Michigan in the second half, that's when they started to like go back and forth, back and forth. And I just figured like they would come out in that third quarter and they would, they would tighten it up on defense. They'd figure a way out to get downfield on offense. And I thought Michigan would, would still win this game, which I would have hated to see, but ultimately TCU made the plays when they had to. And, and that, that third quarter pick six, when it was already 28, 16 TCU, that felt, massive um but really this game was kind of like uh a nail biter even down the stretch i mean mccarthy made some plays with his legs when he needed to uh michigan was out with it was without their his his star running back uh blake corum he got injured earlier in the season but he's an absolute stud he'll be in the nfl one day for sure but i mean dude amazing game by tcu they 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 definitely gave up some big plays but they made the plays when they had to and and it was just, it was awesome to see. And, and, you know, I am a Michigan hater, so it was just, <laughs> uh, just icing on the cake for me. 
Yeah, I'm not a fan of Michigan myself. You know, college football is second to the NFL, in my opinion. Uh, maybe at the logo, Aaron. No, maybe at the logo. No, I'm just messing with you. But um, <laughs> just shades of Harbaugh. You know, you think back in the Super Bowl when he was coach for the 49ers, they were getting, you know, stomped by the Ravens in the first half. And, you know, the the halftime adjustments, they came out and they put up one hell of a fight and almost ended up winning that Super Bowl. And, and that's, you know, what, what Harbaugh did with Michigan. You know, got them, got them together, calm, cool, collected, and, and brought them out ready to play. And um, you know, almost came back and won that game, which is you know impressive. And, you know, they were twelve and zero at twelve and zero, right? They were twelve and zero for a reason. You know, like they're not no slouches. You know, once in a while you get a lucky bounce, you know, here and there your way type thing. But you know, they made it one heck of a game. Um, you know, I know Michigan fans are going to talk about the controversial TD that was overturned. <laughs> you know, they, I, you know, what did you think of that play first of all? Um, was that a touchdown? Unbiased. Was that a was that a touchdown? You're referring <laughs> you're referring to the guy, you know, that long bomb down the field, and then he gets tackled at the, at the one. We'll say. Um, yeah. Yeah. Yep. Um, I don't know the way they ruled it on the field. I don't know if there was enough evidence to overturn it. That's my argument to anybody from Michigan. Um, and then I, once again, dude, I I was reading a lot of for like just comments and and things like that on the Twitter on the Twitter machine as 1420 would say um, <laughs> just that I'm sorry, but you know, I am going to take a shot at the Michigan crowd. Like just shut up about the whole injuries thing. You're playing TCU and, and no disrespect to them, but you, you play in the big 10 all year long. You beat Ohio state. You wiped the field of Penn state. Uh, they weren't yeah. even competitive. And then you want to bitch about how you, you have injuries, you appeal banged up. Um, and that's part of the reason you didn't win. I mean, come on. You, you, you recruit better than TCU. You have better athletes than TCU. Like, everything points to Michigan should have won that game. And, uh, I mean, in that fourth quarter, though, I was having uh, definitely some anxiety for TCU. Like, that was – it was a three-point game – or, yeah, three-point game early in the fourth, and t- then Michigan starts making plays again. TCU the, – the big play was TCU uh, – um, or Michigan brought a, a massive blitz towards TCU – uh, and and TCU runs a slant, and then the receiver on TCU just busts it open for like an eighty-yard touchdown. That was massive. Yeah. Um, but yeah, to to once again, here I am, not really answering your question. I I don't think there's enough, there was enough evidence, dude. There's not like you could have went either way with that, and I see why they say that. But they got down to the one yard line, so just like you got to get it in regardless. You know what I mean? So yeah, I mean. I watched it, you know, a few different times in the replay. And, you know, again, I couldn't make a decision from an unbiased, you know, fan, you know, standpoint, obviously then the next handoff, uh, which is a fumble, which TCU, you know, took again. So, you know, they stopped him twice you know, in the red zone, a fourth and goal, you know, a fumble at the one, you know, like you had the two pick sixes, you know, Michigan had more yards than, um, than TCU, but when it came down to it, you know, three for 13 on third down and, um, I know Max Dugan, you know, on the, the stat sheet's not going to say as much. He didn't even complete 50% of his passes. But, you know, watching that kid, man, he he stands in the pocket really well. He climbs the pocket. <clears throat> excuse me. He climbs the pocket. He made some really nice passes. That slant was was amazing, just the, the way that he just stood there, knowing he's going to get wallet type thing and just <laughs> hit it. And, then, and that was all Johnson then on the end. And, you know, I don't even, I don't even think we mentioned the score of the game. It was 51-45. Um, which was <laughs> uh, the widest margin of victory of the first three games we're talking about. So that says something about the next game, Georgia and Ohio State. But you know, TCU just being, you know, they were five and seven last year. 
you know, and now they're going to be playing for national championship and the transfer portal really helped them out. They had 13 transfers and, you know, it helped to take a school that doesn't have the best recruiting class and the people saying that, you know, the portal is a bad thing. It's just going to make the rich richer, but definitely not in this case. It took a five and seven team and obviously one hell of a coach to come in and be able to get the, his guys ready to play. But, you know, he gives a lot of credit to being able to get transfers. So definitely a success story there. Um, we'll see how it goes against Georgia real quick. Do you think Georgia and TCU is going to be a close game or do you think Georgia does not overlook TCU and, and stomps them? Man, it's tough. I see. Here's the thing. It's kind of like the dolphins. I guess it's going to be a weird analogy. But I've count, I've counted the I said since like the Dolphins were what six and two or whatever they at one point they were absolutely rolling and I said, you know they would fall apart down the stretch. I thought TCU would fall apart in this game and I mean they got everything uh, but the kitchen sink thrown at them but from Michigan and they hung in there and outscored a Michigan defense which is one of the best defenses in the country. I think they can at least hang in. I, I do think Georgia will find a way. Uh, I just think Georgia's athletes are ridiculous. Both sides of the ball, they are just like massive human beings. Uh, and it's just going to be a little bit too much. But I do think TCU at least hangs in. Uh, ultimately does lose. But I would love, more than anything, I would love to see. Um, it would be even better if it was TCU, Ohio State, and TCU won. But um, <laughs> I would love to see TCU win the whole thing. That would just create so much parody in college football. And, and, you know, for once one of these juggernauts goes down to a, to a kind of like, you could say a Cinderella on this, on this occasion. Cause like no one expected Absolutely. them to be this far in, in the playoff and then in the national championship. Yeah. One heck of a job by, by Sonny Dykes, you know, just turning that team around. So um, Georgia, Ohio state, the peach bowl, that game, going down to the last play, you know, a missed 50 yard field goal uh, for Ohio state was just an absolutely awful kick, which you can't really blame, you know, the kid, the pressure on him was a- absolutely ridiculous. Just another game that honestly, like Georgia should have lost that game. You know, they come out with a 42, 41 victory, but Ohio state, you know, led most of the game. Um, and it was back and forth a little bit more toward the end, but you know, they, they led almost the entire game. You know, CJ Stroud, you know, I know that, that Caleb Williams, you know, won the Heisman and everything, but and uh, I know Bryce Young's a stud, but man, watching CJ Stroud just the way he sits in there, four touchdowns, you know, almost 350 yards, like that guy's going to be a star, you know, and, and I could be wrong, but it, to me, it looks like he's going to be a star in the NFL. And uh, he's lucky that they're they're talking about Bryce Young being the number one pick so he doesn't have to play for the Houston Texans. <laughs> um, so hopefully, hopefully one of the other teams in the NFL doesn't, you know, ruin his career. I don't want to see Bryce Young's career get ruined either, but, you know, just watching Stroud in that game, it's like he, he gave it everything, man. Like he was running, he was passing, you know, he hung in, he got hit. He was, you know, directing traffic on the move, especially, you know, with Marvin Harrison Jr. who got hit in the third quarter on what was originally called targeting. Um, and he did a replay of it. And the guy did lead with his shoulder, but it was just, I mean, that's tough. He led with his shoulder. There was a bit of helmet to helmet there, but, you know, Harrison Jr., just absolutely a stud receiver. You know, we've, we've talked about it before. You know, before he went out in the third quarter, he already had 100-plus yards and two touchdowns. You know, obviously, if he stays in that game, it's probably a different result. Uh, but, you know, we can't sit here and go, oh, you know, Georgia should have – they only got one because of blah, blah, blah. They got lucky. No, they still, they still put up a lot of points. You know, Stetson Bennett, I was really impressed with him. 
Um, you know, he ended up winning the MVP for that game, but you know, Bennett, you know, stood in there when he needed to as well, you know, throwing for almost 400 yards and, you know, leading that final drive. Yeah. I mean, honestly, man, it felt like Ohio State had a, had a firm grip on this game. Uh, Strout was balling. He, he had a lot of time to throw, which I didn't expect. And they were picking apart Georgia pretty well up until that fourth quarter. I mean, a lot of things started to change the, the momentum, you know, obviously in Georgia's favor. But yeah, just a ridiculous game. Obviously, the the Ohio State, you know, has a fair case to say they should have won if the field goal kicker just, you know, did his job. But uh, easy, <laughs> easier said than done as well. But at the same time, he missed that thing by a by a country mile, as they say, and made me happy. Very, very happy about that. If your defense did, didn't give up 42 points, you would have had to rely on your kicker last second, you know, oh. type thing. <laughs> so just saying. And uh, yeah, we were we were talking about it, man. Like he as he kicked that, it was like right, right pretty much right at midnight. Like happy, <laughs> happy freaking New Year um, to to Penn State fans. Um, but yeah, what a way, what a way to start start the New Year. You know, end the old year, start the New Year. College football, man. Catch your breath between TCU and Michigan just to hold it again for Georgia and Ohio. So. But yeah, with the NFL playing on Sunday, on the first we had that you know bowl game, bowl games on the second, which was a little weird. We already talked about the Cotton Bowl. Now we'll get into the oldest bowl game of them all, the Rose Bowl. Take it away, my guy. Oh man, I've been chopping at the bit to talk about this. Uh, the granddaddy of them all, as they call it. I, I don't know. That's a little dramatic, but I still like that saying. <laughs> that, that's a cool saying, regardless. But yeah, man. Uh, Hell of a game for Penn State, obviously. I mean, it it definitely felt at times that this was a losable game. And I, I really I was pleasantly surprised at how Penn State ran the ball. Um, I mean, Nick Nick Singleton is he's the real deal. I mean, the kid averaged oh 17 yards a carry. He he's I think he's faster than uh Saquon was, to be honest with you. Once he breaks into that second level, like if he gets past the D line and the linebackers, he's gone. He's running. Yeah. He's running for days. Um so he he ended the day yeah with 17 yards of carry, a buck 20, two two tutties. Uh I mean <laughs> th- this was the type of game where it, you know it felt like at halftime being 14-14 it was going to be whoever commits turnovers and or whoever just gives up the big plays. Penn State really doesn't make that many big plays all season long if you if you really break it down, but this game was far different. Um I mean, they averaged 8.5 yards of per play. The Sean Clifford played within the game. He didn't force anything. I don't think any of his throws you could say were were forced. I mean, it, he played well, arguably his his smartest game uh, as his last. Uh, it was pretty. What a fun. time for it! What a yeah, time! What a time man. for yeah. Um, I mean, 16 to 21. You know, those two touchdowns, zero turnovers, like you said. You know. Utah had two of them. Penn State had zero. So, go ahead, continue there. I just want to uh, throw that that stat in there. <laughs> no, no, there's so much. I mean, there's so much we could get into. I mean, Parker Washington was out uh, with an injury. He he's going to the NFL draft. I I expect him to be at least a solid player at the next level. Um, but yeah, I mean, Ke- Keandre Lambert Smith, Mitchell Tinsley, those were pretty much the only guys as far as receivers are concerned. I mean, we Penn State always incorporates the tight ends well, and and they have one of the best tight end rooms in, in all of America. But um, yeah, Keandre Lambert Smith showed up. He he had that massive catch. It was like a seventy yard bomb or whatever down the sideline. I can't don't quote me on that, but 
Uh, um, yeah, actually, eighty-eight yard reception, 88 yard. A, t- a touchdown reception was the longest pass passing play in in Rose Bowl Rose Bowl history. And then, um, you know, earlier when when they had that giant run, you know, Singleton went eighty-seven yards, the third longest run <laughs> in Rose Bowl history. So check that. I mean, two eighty-five plus yard plays, one on the ground, one in the air, in in the same game, like on any level, any team, like even you know, in college games where they absolutely stomp each other. You know, two eighty-five plus yard plays in a game is extremely rare. You know, I don't know how many times it's happened. I, you know, that research didn't tell me uh, tell me that stat, but you think of that. You know, going <clears throat> excuse me, think of that in a in a bowl game, let alone the Rose Bowl, just absolutely crazy. You know, Utah had thumped USC forty-seven twenty-four in their last regular season game. You know, and again, Heisman winner Caleb Williams absolutely getting annihilated by Utah. So you think, oh, Sean Clifford, what's, what's he going to be able to do? And Penn State just comes in and man, they, they play well, great defense. You know, they're, um, didn't the quarterback for Utah go down was like the third quarter or something like that. He did. Yeah. I was going to, yeah, definitely. I was going to touch on that. I mean, here, here's the thing again, once again, people on, on Twitter were losing their minds about the fact that you know, once he went out, um, that was the reason Penn State won. I I would argue the point that your defense could not stop us all day long, and and the whole thing with that is, um, like you said, man, I I thought I was absolutely terrified of this. This Utah defense is one of the most hard hitting defenses in in college football. I mean, they absolutely lay people out and and have no remorse for it. Penn State just, honestly, from start to finish, they were more physical. They got to cam rising. I mean, cam rising for Utah, obviously going down was big, but he was only eight for 21 under a hundred, you know, at 95 yards, a touchdown and a pick second straight, uh, Rose bowl game that he got hurt in. So I hate to see that. Hate to see that. I feel bad for the kid, but I think, I'm glad we beat him. I'm not going to lie. The second stringer comes in, man. He goes 10 for 19 for, for more yards, more yards for attempts, higher QB rating. You know, he was sacked four times, you know, and, Whereas uh, Rising was only sacked, I think it was like one time. But just just thinking of it that way, like you're going to complain about, oh, your your star quarterback went out, and you know third quarter he was playing like trash, and you know give some you know real big credit to P, you know to Penn State and their defense. But you know I'm sorry, eight for twenty one. It's one thing if you know he's going you know ten ten for fifteen or ten for eighteen, you know for for one hundred fifty eight yards, you know a touchdown and a pick, but under hundred yards in, in two and a half quarters. Like, no, nah, you, you got no offense to, to Utah and no offense to the guy, but Penn State was just absolutely owning them. Um, so that's my take. It's brutal. It's honest. Well, I don't care. That, that's absolutely BS excuse. And you know, the final score being 30, 35 to 21 with that garbage time touchdown for Utah. Um, I'm at the end. So you can argue, okay, it's 35-14 when it doesn't matter. They get a touchdown. So is Cam rising even if he turns it around? Is he going to be able to do enough? to come back you know and make that a super competitive game at the end like he'd have to pull you know he'd have to be a superstar and and flat out like you know we saw a couple other superstars earlier in the day you know cj stroud or not early in the day earlier in the um the the poll games you know cj stroud not able to you know he he gave it his all and they still lost you know and, and michigan you know giving it their all and they still lost so yeah i get it you know fans look for anything to complain about and anything to like point a finger at and be like we would have won if this didn't happen but it's hard to at the end of the day it's hard to be like we got outplayed and i think like flat out you know if you're being honest with yourself you know utah fans like you guys got outplayed i'm not going to say flat out that penn state's always the better team you know but in this game they they beat you and they beat you fair and square and they they, they uh, thumped you in that second half 
these Utah fans don't know how to be brutally honest, man. They, I, you know, maybe that'll, <laughs> that'll, that'll turn some away from the show, but you know, so be it, I guess. But at the end of the day, I mean, this was a 34, thir- or, I'm sorry, 35, 14 game. Uh, Utah scored in garbage time with Penn state having like players I've never even heard of out there before. Uh, so really, I mean, the only thing I can say is Cam rising on, on the ground. He was keeping them in the game. Like like you said, his statistical numbers passing through the air were not good, but uh, he did have the nine carries for 56 yards. It seemed like the guy, I don't know, whatever slippery surface you could insert here, but um, you could not tackle that guy. He was just, it was too much. That backup, like he, he looked like a deer in the headlights the entire time he was in. I feel bad for that kid as well. Just, being inserted in there um, for the second straight Rose Bowl game. He was inserted in due to injury. But, I mean, I think this game would have been 7 to 10 points uh, in favor of Penn State with Cam rising in for four quarters. I, I do think it would have been a, at least a touchdown. But, yeah, it, our, you know, Penn State has had so many breaks, bad breaks go their way over the last, you know, handful of years, whether you call that excuses or not. It, it's just the ball doesn't go their way a lot, it seems like. Uh, so, it was nice to see it, not the injury, but just the domination after he went out. It was, it's ex- ex- exactly what you expect to see when, when a backup comes in and, and a lot of guys play, you know, this defense, Manny Diaz, uh first year coordinator coming over from, from Miami, uh, the defensive coordinator, but the, the former head coach of Miami, he's done such a great job. He, he's the anti Jonathan Gannon. I'll say that he is, uh, he will bring blitz. <laughs> He'll bring all types of blitzes at you when you least expect it, and he will not play that stupid soft uh, that shell coverage bullcrap. But that's a different <laughs> different story for a different day. I know it's a different level of football too. But but uh, I just think that defense is so hungry at times, man. It, it's like they they outplayed a Utah defense. Granted, you know, backup quarterback, starting quarterback, but um, yeah, the, it really came down to that. And and Sean Clifford, I mean. What a way to go out after an absolute roller coaster of six seasons. Um, I can't help but root for the kid. I mean, he's been through the ups and downs and a lot of downs, honestly, and and the last <laughs> the last couple of years and and yeah, it's just you know he was he was pulled with like almost uh, a little less than two minutes. He was pulled and and Drew Alar came in and, and that's the future. But um, yeah, pretty emotional, obviously. It's just God, I love that school. I love that program, man. I'm not gonna lie, like. Seeing them win is just is something else for me personally, and and it was just to finally win a a, a major bowl game is it, it's been a long time coming. I'll say that it's been a long time coming. Yeah, they lost that heartbreaker back in what it was like twenty seventeen, I think it was. Um, and uh, yeah, I forget when they last won the Rose Bowl, but you you know I think you said kid Sean Clifford's only a couple years younger than you so just made me kind of chuckle and you say he played a lot of downs it's like yeah it's his fifth season of, of college football of course he's playing a lot of downs but <laughs> I know what you meant I just couldn't couldn't help but but poke fun at you there man but um uh yeah I mean the Rose Bowl <laughs> definitely a better game than the first Rose Bowl it was in 1902 and Michigan thumped Stanford 49 to nothing so <laughs> I you know I can't imagine that was any fun to watch other than for Michigan fans and you know there you go Michigan fans you can you can look back at, at you know 120 years and be happy about the fact y'all won the first Rose Bowl without giving up a point but in the beginning you know obviously we know like Franco Harris like passed away end of last year and a lot of Penn State jerseys uh Penn State players coming in wearing Franco jerseys um if you guys want to hear our take on you know Franco's tragic passing 
uh, check out episode 85 of our podcast. We, we did that uh, uh, shortly after he passed and, you know, broke that down and gave our thoughts. Uh, Aaron actually met Franco a few times. So, you know, real life story that he actually had, you know, um, interaction with Franco is what I'm trying to say. Goodness gracious. I'm, I'm getting emotional thinking about, it, you know what I mean? Like you, you got emotional with, with Clifford uh, retiring, you know, I get emotional with, with Franco passing away and, and that's just, you know, such a, such a sad thing. But then just the fact that they, they honored him like that with his jerseys and then went out, you know, Pittsburgh Steelers won that game that night, you know, and then P- PSU goes out and, um, you know, wins the game for, it's like do it for Franco, you know, type thing. Like what were your first thoughts when you saw those jerseys, bro? Like, did, did you get choked up? And I apologize for my words all over the place here. It's just, it's a tough thing for me when I see like a legend go down you oh, know, emotionally. No, so no, 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 uh, no need to apologize for that, man. That's, you know, we're all, we're all human. We all feel things here. So, and at the brutally honest uh, headquarters, we don't, sh- we don't shun that type of thing. So uh, <laughs> just uh, punch me in the side of the arm later, you know, <laughs> I don't want to say it's the wrong way. It's not like it's old news, but it, it seemed like, you know, time has passed since that obviously has happened. Um, and yeah. for that, for them not to forget that that's the biggest thing. I, I, I think you, you got to recognize like Franco Harris was a massive part uh, of Penn state success in the, uh, when he played and, and also like he was very, very involved in that program still to this, like just a couple of months ago, I know he was at a Penn state dinner and, and a fundraiser. Like he, he was very, very loyal to that program. And, and obviously he was very loyal to Joe Paterno rest in peace as well. Uh, another absolute legend, his roots are in Penn state, obviously getting, you know, Steelers as well, but Penn state's where it's all, where it all started for him, obviously. And, and, you know, them, them coming out, I thought, uh, coach Franklin did the really, I just, that surprised me. I could see some players and things, but coach Franklin's usually, uh, one of the, one of the better dressed, uh, gentlemen in, in college sports, no matter how you feel about his, his coaching, that's a different story, but yeah, he, uh, for him to come out, you know, with the casual look, with the sunglasses, with the, with the Franco Jersey, pretty, pretty awesome. At the end of the day, it, it, it was just, it was great. You know what I mean? It, it was great to see Penn state winning just went in this game and, and all, all, you know, you could make a case like doing it for Franco. Yes. Like, like definitely wearing those jerseys. You, you, you don't ever forget, even though the, these players never saw him play live and, and JD and I never put, saw him play live, but an absolute legend and, and a better man, as people say, a, a hall of fame player and even a better man. So it, it was just a great, great day to be a Penn state fan. And, and it it was it was nerve wracking. I'm not gonna lie. It hardly ever is easy with this team, um, but as they started to pull away in the third quarter, you started feeling pretty pretty good. And then yeah, they actually picked up a uh, an NC State receiver uh, by the name of Devin Carter, who actually in his career at NC State through the transfer portal, he has over 1,900 yards. He's a big receiver. I think he's yeah he's six listed at six foot three. Um, so that'll help, you know, we can get into a little bit of, of the future, but that's definitely going to help that young quarterback in, in that five-star recruit and, and Drew Alar coming in, uh, obviously taking the reins from, from Clifford going forward. Yeah, man. And uh, I just have to offer my apologies to Utah fans. Um, if you feel like I was a little, little tough on, on cam rising, <laughs> you can, you can send all angry DMs addressed to JD at our Twitter handle is uh brutally honest without the T so brutally honest. 
uh, Twitter won't give us the tea, so you can send all the angry DMs my way. Um, you know, I was not trying to disrespect Bryson as a person, but I thought he played like trash. Um, but anyway, um, that's my that's my take on it. Uh, maybe I'm being a bit harsh, but you know, it was just good to see Penn State, you know, come out on top and, and win that game. Their first Rose Bowl, only their second Rose Bowl win uh, ever. Nineteen ninety five was their first one, mm-hmm. and uh, I don't even think Aaron was born for that game. But um, just missed the, just missed the cut on that one, man. Next in the next year, I was. So, but. I was an athlete. Yeah, no, I, yeah, there you go. <laughs> You're a Rose Bowl baby, bro. <laughs> Real quickly, dude, like I just wanted to ask you, how are you feeling overall about the freshman class or, you know, the class for next year? You know, we, you know Singleton was a freshman this year. Catron Allen was a, a freshman this year. Both had you know really good freshman uh, seasons. You know, both of them close to a thousand yards rushing, and then you know, obviously the way Singleton went off in in the Rose Bowl. Um, what do you think moving forward? Does that that new guy coming in? Does he have enough uh, a weapons to to really make a run? Drew Allard, do you think maybe Penn State can compete for a college football playoff spot next year? Yeah, it's, see, it's going to be tough. I mean, the kid the kid came into quite a few games this year in in the you know third quarter and and fourth quarter. I I don't know. Defensively, I would like to say they're going to be just about as good. Abdul Carter is is Micah Parsons 2.0. That kid is an absolute stud. He he's arrived. He's going to be just great in the years to come. He's already great. So um, as long as he doesn't go to Dallas, 2.0 for Penn State. Just don't go to the Cowboys, please, sir. I, I would not mind seeing him in in Eagles Green. Uh, even <laughs> not, if he not Dallas if, Blue, not no. Dallas Blue. Don't go from blue to blue. Screw that shit. You know? <laughs> no disrespect <laughs> to Parsons. <laughs> hey, even if he goes to Pittsburgh, stays within Pennsylvania, I wouldn't have a problem with it in any way. But dude, that that kid just like I said. I think the defense. I mean, they're going to lose Jerry Porter Jr. Obviously, a lot of people remember Jerry Porter Sr. Uh, the quarter or the uh, linebacker there for the Steelers back. Uh, you know, mid two thousands, hell, hell of a player, and and his son's very, very good uh, cornerback. Uh, he's going to be a first round pick. You can take that to the bank. I I don't want to say they're ready for the college football playoff yet, just because I don't know. Uh, it's a lot different. I, I've seen a lot of podcasts. It's it's a lot different to be the guy coming in in the third quarter, fourth quarter, and and you know, balling then, than to be the guy that has to you know he's starting every single game next year and, and Drew Alar, but. Dude, the kid reminds me of uh, a little bit of Justin Herbert. I'm not gonna lie. He he, the way he throws that rock, dude, it, it looks like it takes no effort. He's six five, like he's he's just a prototypical like. He he just he looks the part. He has massive arm strength. He was a five star recruit. Like the expectations are through the roof. He just needs to, uh, you know, just keep a level head, not not try and press too much, and and just get better and better as you know we head towards September. It's gonna be a long time until the season starts again. But yeah, I, I hope, I just hope that, you know, he, he lives up to the hype and, I, and I'm definitely pulling for him. And um, he got to see Clifford, you know, obviously Clifford mentored him this year and, and hopefully that yeah. was only, only good things. And, and yeah, we'll, we'll see. I, I don't know if they're ready yet, but Penn state's definitely on the rise. And this took a lot of, uh, I'm not going to say it took pressure off of uh, James Franklin, but uh, obviously as not, stellar bowl performances and and just overall record at Penn State for for that program but this was a huge step in the right direction and I hope we can just keep having that ball roll, roll downwards and, and just be more and more consistent as we as we go forward 
Yeah, I mean, five-star recruit, he did get to sit behind Clifford, who, you know, obviously was the quarterback for quite a few years there at Penn State. So, you know, I don't know, but I'd be more inclined to think they take, you know, maybe not a step forward, but at least go on par with what they did this year. I don't see why a five-star recruit who had a year to sit behind, a you know, a solid quarterback can't come in and, you know, lead them to, you know, a playoff spot or at least back to the Rose Bowl or something like that. So like that's that. my take on that. That's my take on that. Uh, Penn State fans, if, if you disagree with Aaron, you can send your angry DMs to him, address them to him. Again, that's that brutally honest without the T on Twitter because Twitter won't give us the T. But, you know, one of the last things I want to say here is I just thought it was really cool um, seeing you know Clifford dump <laughs> the not only Gatorade, but then the Rose Petals, just seeing how ecstatic he was and uh, seeing pictures of Clifford on on Twitter, you know, with the, with the trophy there. That was really cool. I know you tweet, tweeted that out. and you had sent me, you know, a couple videos that you said, you know, made you choke up. So I would encourage y'all to, to, you know, if you're a Penn State fan, to go check out some of those collaborations people did on Clifford. Just um, a hell of a way to end a, a up and down career. So he played a lot of downs, but finally he's going up. So do you think you see him in the NFL at all, bro? Uh, I from what I hear, he he's so I I'm gonna plug a podcast. It's called Paydirt. It's with Tom Hannafin and Matt McGloin, a former Penn State quarterback. He played. Uh, in the NFL for a little bit with the Raiders and, and the uh, I don't think he ever saw the field with the Eagles, but he, he was, you know, the Texans, a couple of teams, but they, uh, they do, they do a great, great job on that show. And, and, and I was listening to those guys and and they expect them to end up on like, uh, you know, to go undrafted and probably get picked up in the process. I would probably say the same. I mean, I don't, I, maybe he goes late sixth round, seventh round. Like I, I just, he's too, his footwork and you know, how we can, I don't want to criticize the guy at all. Like he, I, you know, there's a bias there obviously. And I, I like the kid a lot. I think he, he gave his absolute all to this program and say what you want about the results. At the end of the day, he won us the Rose bowl. And I think he won the cotton bowl. Once again, here, I, I am not as, as knowledgeable as I need to be tonight. And, and you guys kept, caught me slipping on it on this, but the kid just pumps me up, man. Like, I, I don't know. I shouldn't even say kid, the grown, grown ass man that he is, uh, but <laughs> hey, you got but, more facial hair than you do. No offense. Yeah. Oh, I'm, I'm at the, the, brutally, oh. the brutally honest uh, takes here at Aaron. Uh, I'm going to have to DM JD on his personal account for that one. But, uh, nah. Oh, snap. I'll uh, turn my phone off for the night after we, we stop recording here, boys. <laughs> Research but, department help. I'm getting myself in too much shit. No, nah, they, nah, they're already, they already can't do their job themselves. But anyways, uh, no, it was awesome, man. Um, he was extremely emotional. And like you said, with the, with the Gatorade, with the, the rose petals, I was sick and, just seeing him come off that field and, and losing it emotionally. Like I, I consider myself a pretty emotional person. So I, I can only imagine what's going through his head and it, it just all came together in the end. It's almost like a storybook end and it's exactly how you wanted it to go. If he would have lost this game, I think a lot of Penn and it would have been of, of his, him not doing enough. I think Penn state fans would never, ever let him live this down. Cause there's a lot of people in Penn State in, in in the Penn State community that that aren't the biggest football fans of of Sean Clifford, but I hear nothing but good things about him off the field. And he's a stand up kid, and, and he's really grown up before our eyes. Like you know, coming in, you know, six years total in the program, and then and then coming out on top. It's just it, it doesn't get much better than that for for the end of, of the ride for for Sean Clifford. And it's bittersweet. It, you know, I'm I'm glad he gets to to leave with a, a Rose Bowl victory. It's just 
I think there will always be that question, like, what if he did, you know, what if we had a little bit more success? I think, you know, if he would have played the way he played in the Rose Bowl in a lot of other games, you know, we could be sitting here, you know, having more success. But it is what it is. He he got the win and and just nothing but good things for him going forward. He's He's got an NIL whole, like, uh, company started up. And uh, so he'll be fine off the field. He's a smart kid, so he'll, he'll be just fine. And, and I love to see that that ultimately he got that that Rose Bowl win and, and that signature win for Penn State. Yeah, man, most definitely. And it was the, the Cotton Bowl in 2019 um, that they did win 53-39 over Memphis. So the research department got that one right. But just uh, we're going to wrap up the show here. Who are we shouting out tonight, Aaron? Mm-hmm. Yeah, as always, uh, guys from 1420, definitely check out the 1420 in the morning show. I know uh, Brent is probably watching the uh, Team Canada versus uh, USA Junior Championships for hockey right now. Hopefully that's yes. going well. Hopefully that's going well for him. But uh, I got I guess I got to pull for USA at the end of the day. But yeah, uh, yeah, he did have a he did have a really good uh, summary of that this morning. I did watch that 14. 14- 20 uh sports podcast in the morning this morning and um yeah he did a really good job on breaking that down and you know he gave the americans a lot of credit where it was due so respect to him for being as unbiased as possible but um yeah i'm sure he's locked in right now <laughs> <laughs> definitely check those guys out like i said if, if they if you enjoy listening to us definitely listen to them before i start uh totally you know not even being able to speak anymore on this podcast because I'm, I'm fumbling wor- words so much uh but hey. You're fumbling, but Penn State wasn't, so that's what really matters. So <laughs> I can finish out this wrap. Check out uh, Level of Playing Field. Um, they do a good show as well as a fan in the van, Jim over there. Man, he's doing good things. He's funny, um, a little bit more vulgar than us, but if you don't care about profanity, must definitely listen to him. Extremely knowledgeable. He's funny. Has some really good takes. Definitely an intelligent uh, sports fan. So again, I'm gonna plug it a third time. Third time's a charm. Check us out on Twitter uh, at Brutally Honest minus the T. Brutally Honest because Twitter won't give us the T. And, um, you know, share this with your friends if you don't mind. Rate us on Spotify, you know, Apple Music, wherever you found it. And, and we'd greatly appreciate that. And and one more thing. I know I've been long-winded this episode for sure, but uh, congratulations to Brent and Canada. After the United States was up 2 to nothing, Canada then piled on six goals to win 6-2. to two. Uh, so absolutely, they they deserve it. Obviously, they p- absolutely pummeled the United States in the in the junior junior hockey championships, uh, and they're one step away from their twentieth gold medal at the World Junior Hockey Championship. So one game away. Uh, so congratulations to Canada. Uh, the boys got it done and, and then some. So uh, definitely, yeah, check out the, all those guys JD mentioned. And uh, you know, if you like college football, we'll we'll continue to try and bring the content. It's it's going to be a little bit harder with the season being over but uh that being said you know much appreciated to everybody that tunes into the shows and and definitely like you know retweet and and just keep up with our twitter that that really honest without the t um that's where we'll we'll post most of our activity yeah we'll definitely try to get one more show in here before the uh championship game just a bit of a preview there so hopefully y'all have had a good time wherever you're at and y'all have a good night good morning good afternoon whatever time it is 